The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from our Carrier Zone studios. We're going to talk some BYU football with Tanner Mangum. We'll talk, uh, get his thoughts on uh, what he saw from Utah State as well. We'll do that coming up here momentarily. Just a reminder, it is game day here on The Zone Sports Network. The Jazz are back. Preseason game number one goes down tonight. The Jazz on the road in San Antonio to take on the Spurs. Pre-game coverage will begin at 5.30. My good friend Tim Lacombe, Coach Lacombe, on board once again this season. He's going to be jumping in with us. We'll take you up to uh, 6.30. The 6.30 tip-off will be here for halftime and post-game as well. Uh, David Locke, Ron Boone will bring you all of the action. And uh, tonight starts kind of a a new phase as uh, you'll be able to hear uh, the game tonight and and many other games uh, throughout the season on uh, KSL as well. But let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Joining us now, former BYU quarterback, the one and only Tanner Mangum with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Tanner. How are you? Hey, Jake. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for jumping on, buddy. We we really appreciate it. You doing well? How's how's the little one? She's doing really well. Thanks for asking. Just uh, eating and sleeping all day, and good. Uh, Sydney's doing well as well. So yeah, no no complaints. We're we're feeling pretty lucky. Awesome. That's what I like to hear. Well, let's let's dive into the game. Um, let's start off with kind of the macro. Give us your overall thoughts from BYU's win over Utah State. Well, I I thought it was a kind of a, a mix a mix of uh, of uh, performances from from BYU. I think there were some some good things, but then also a couple causes for concern. Uh, I think obviously first and foremost uh, concern is is the quarterback position and Baylor going down with that concussion. Um, I feel so bad for him. Uh, I I knew immediately when he took that hit, where when his head slammed on the turf. I know what that feels like. I've had a couple. I've hit like that where my head has slammed into the turf. Unfortunately, I haven't had any concussions, but I, I know that that's a, um, it's a painful feeling. And and uh, and I think once Jacob Conover came in, I, you could tell that Coach Roger gave him a couple chances and gave him some opportunities to throw the ball downfield. And think that um, after that, he got pretty conservative with his play calling. Um, Coach Roderick really kind of decided to just tone it down, um, kind of tr- turn over the reins to, uh, to Tyler Algier, and didn't ask uh, Conover to do too much, uh, just to kind of manage the game, to finish it off, get out of there with a win, kind of started playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win. And so I think that's something to, to keep your eye on is, uh, this week with Boise State is, is who's going to be starting because I think if Jaron – can come in and and, uh, and and play through his rib injury, um, then I think they'll be in good shape. But if, if Conover's in the game, I, if, you, if he's the starter, it'll be in- interesting to see the game plan that they go with just because I'm not sure how much trust is there to, to fully um, give him the 
the full reign of the offense, uh, to, you know, to hand over the keys, if you will, to the whole the whole offense. Uh, like I, said, I think if he's in there, it's going to be a little bit more conservative, a little bit more run heavy, um, just try to control the ball, control time of possession, and um, and so. I, but I think that's a concern because that's not where BYU is at their best. They're at their best when they're playing loose, when they're really you know letting the ball fly downfield with down down the field concepts, more creative, dynamic play calling. And with Conover right now, I'm not sure they have that. So we'll have to keep our eye on that this week. I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this. Uh, you, you know, you were in a different situation uh, entirely, but you do know something, <laughs> you know, a lot of something about being thrown into a game, a big game, when maybe you weren't expecting to and having that heaped on your shoulders all of a sudden. And so I guess my question is, how do you think he handled it? Could you tell, I mean, how he handled it from kind of a, a quarterback perspective where, you know, handed the ball and go out and get it done? Yeah, I, I definitely could relate. Um, you know, even when when I was watching the game uh, with with my wife, you know, she said she said this is kind of probably how you felt, right? Coming in, um, you know, coming in like this, and I said, yeah, I know exactly what that feeling is like. And honestly, everyone handles it differently. Obviously, personality, uh, how you handle big moments, pressure, mentally. Um, overall, I mean, I thought he did fine. I, he, he didn't do anything bad per se it just wasn't as great as it could have been with with Baylor or Jaron in there I thought he um you know managed the game he, he he took care of the ball for the most part didn't put the ball in harm's way um but at the same time I think from a quarterback point of view you could just tell that it, he wasn't fully confident wasn't fully comfortable with understanding um you know, just the overall uh, read. You know, going uh, from play to play, his reads. Just you know, you could you could just tell he, was, he wasn't quite as comfortable, wasn't quite as confident as I know he can be. Um, and I think they're all. But also, you could tell it with the receivers. The the, the, the chemistry wasn't quite uh, there. The, the the flow wasn't where it needed to be. And so, while I think he did a decent job, I think there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. Um, but I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens because if Jaron plays, I think they'll have to for sure keep him as as safe as they can and keep him protected. Don't call any design quarterback runs. Tell him to get down. Don't take any hits. Get out of bounds. Um, and we'll see how, how how Baylor progresses. But obviously, the concussion protocol is pretty strict, so I, I doubt that he'll play this week. But you know, we'll see. I don't know the severity of it. Um, but again, if if Conover plays, they're going to have to really figure out what they what they're going to do to um you know learn from the, the mistakes uh or not not even I, I wouldn't even say mistakes i'll just say kind of the, the overall lack of execution and uh, lack of explosiveness um with with conover in the game so yeah we'll we'll see how that goes I don't know if you ever uh, had a rib injury uh, while you were playing quarterback. I know you went through some other stuff, but how hard would it be? And, and of course, we don't know, you know, how severe the injury is to Jaron Hall. But but how hard would it be to play through that particular injury? Oh, it, it'd be very tough. Uh, as a quarterback, you use a lot of your core muscles and a lot of your movements. Um, you know, a lot of throwing people would not understand, but it's not all just your arm. It's a lot of it in your core. Uh, and anytime you make a throw, you engage those those core muscles in your ribs and your obliques. Uh, I, I pulled an oblique um, 
once and and it's it's painful and it's similar to if you have a, you know a broken rib or bruised ribs that that movement of throwing is aggravated uh it aggravates the injury every time you throw and so it would it would be very tough for him to do it but i think if depending on where he is in the process of his injury and in the, in the healing process i think he could um play through the pain but they would, again like i said they would have to be very careful with the type of game plan that they call yeah, they they couldn't do any sign quarterback runs and put that rib injury in harm's way. They would have to remind him to not scramble too much, you know, only scramble if it's wide open, uh, if you can slide and get down or if you can get out of bounds. But, I, I mean, I really think they need it. Uh, they're 5-0. and They're playing a good Boise State team. I mean, obviously Boise State's 2-3. and I think they're, a better, they're better than their record shows. Um, but they need – Jaron or Baylor in there to if, if they're going to keep, um, you know, I, I, in my opinion, to keep the streak going. Um, if not, it's going to be very run heavy. It's going to be very Tyler Algier heavy. Um, but unfortunately, they have a running back like him. They have a running attack, the like they do. Because if not, I think they'd be in extra trouble. Um, but I think if they if they if they want to keep the uh, the magic going for the rest of the season, they're going to need to have Jaron or uh, or Baylor back. So I want to get to a little bit more to, uh, about Boise, Boise State with you here in a minute. But I want to ask you about the, the physicality or the physical nature of this particular BYU team. And I think you can throw Tyler Algier certainly in this conversation. But, um, you, you know, they they pushed Utah around. I mean, they beat them physically. They did the same thing to Arizona State. And Blake Anderson, the, the coach at Utah State, was on our station this morning talking to DJ and PK. And I swear in a 30-second span, he much must have mentioned how big and physical and tough BYU is like 30 times. I mean, that was obviously the impression that he took away from that game. So what is what is being able to physically dominate and dominate up front like that? What does that do for uh, for this BYU team? Well, that's, that's where it all starts for them. And this has been something that BYU has, I think, struggled with in years past. Uh, it's been an, an area of focus for Kalani and his staff since they arrived back in 2016. Immediately, they put uh, size and physicality on the top of their priorities because they knew with the schedule that they had coming up, this independent schedule where, where you're playing Power 5 teams week after week, you have to be physical. You have to have the strength uh, to, to keep up. And it's been a long time coming. It's been years in the making, but I think you're finally seeing the fruits of their labors, uh, both from a player development standpoint in the weight room with Nuu and his staff really um, changing the way they went up. They approached their strength and conditioning throughout the off season and in season as well. They lift a lot in season to keep that strength up, which a lot of teams don't do. There's a lot of attrition throughout the year with injuries. And so a lot of teams will back off on the lifting and the conditioning during the season to try and help players rest during the week. But Nuu is big on, on continuing to lift throughout the week, obviously in a smart way, but that's, that's a priority of theirs uh, because they know they need it. They need to keep that physicality and that strength going. And then also um, with uh, player development from a timing standpoint, for, for example, a lot of these uh, offensive linemen, defensive linemen in the, in the trenches – are um, are older now. I mean, I, with with the COVID years, interesting. So many are uh, still sophomores or juniors or whatever. But 
you know, a lot of them have been in that program for three, four years, and so they're uh, they're veterans. They they're bigger, they're stronger. They've they've been able to develop uh, physically and been able to mature physically and mentally as well, and it's become a point of pride for them. Um, and and you can see it's it's paying off. You can tell the the difference. I mean, you, if you if you were to go back and watch the 2018 team or a 2017 team, um, or even the you know, 2019, the physicality from then to now it's it's totally different. And I think it's a credit to the coaching staff and their development, and also obviously these players for buying in and working hard to to um, improve on their strength and to up their physicality. And um, it's it's you definitely see it with Tyler Algier. I mean, I tweeted this during the game, but I will never not be amazed at his progression from 2018 to now. Um, I mean, when I, I played with him, and he was not the same person. It almost was a completely different player. And I think that size and strength is absolutely one part of it. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's he's faster, and uh, he's a, a perfect example of uh, of the strength and development um, program working for the Cougars. And then obviously the whole offensive line has improved drastically over the last couple of years. So you are you're an Idaho guy, and I want to ask you about the dynamic between Boise State and BYU, and probably more specifically their fans. But I feel like I can explain the BYU Utah rivalry and how the fans feel. I feel like I can uh, I, I grasp and understand and can explain how the BYU Utah State dynamic goes and and where the the feelings are there. As an Idaho guy, take me through why BYU is viewed the way they are up there and why this is such a big game. Yeah, that's it's a great question because honestly, I feel the same way. Where it's a little bit easier to put words to the Utah and Utah State rivalries, but the Boise State one is a little bit more enigmatic, if you will. I, I think it started way back in the early 2000s, and I remember because I went to these games as a kid. But back when um, it was Matt Payne, yeah, it was, the Payne was the kicker at BYU, yeah. and and he he had a couple um, knockout hits on on the blue turf. Uh, and they had some very close games there. One game that BYU almost won it was, a, it was a Matt Payne. Again, after trucking someone on the kickoff, he actually ended up you know missing the game-winning field goal. I remember goal. that. Yep. And you know, there was a lot of just dramatic games between the two teams in the early 2000s, and I think that's kind of where it started. Uh, and then it's kind of evolved over the years, I think just with the dynamic of, of college football, the dynamic of the two teams, um, but I think going back to those early games in the early 2000s, I think it started really blossoming into a rivalry because both teams in a lot of ways are kind of considered the younger brother or maybe that's not the right way of putting it, but the they're looked down upon by the big power five leagues. Uh, Boise State has always been kind of a Cinderella. They're always an underdog. Uh, they They obviously burst onto the scene um, in 2000 year was the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma, oh, uh, whatever that like year was. 05 or 06. 06. Yeah, 06. Yeah. I think that's right. And and, uh, and I think they've been in, they you know, started in the WAC and then the Mountain West, so they never had that Power 5 status. And then BYU has kind of been similar. Um, obviously WAC in the old days and then the Mountain West um, and now independent, so they never had that Power 5 status. And, and so in a way, they're kind of similar teams who are both competing for the same type of respect. 
They're both competing for national respect. They're both competing for um, the power five. Sorry, the, the group of five spot in the bowls. Even though technically BYU doesn't qualify in the, in the group of five, they're kind of they're kind of considered one. And and so when you put that um, that dynamic um, together, you can kind of see that that's where the the rivalry, in my opinion, stems from. Uh, it's kind of smaller town teams, smaller market teams. Obviously, very talented and a lot of um, success across the two programs, but just always fighting for that respect on the national level. Uh, and so, I think that's that's led to a lot of entertaining and close games between the two teams. Well, even go back two years, right, where Baylor Romney uh, ruined Boise State's New Year's Six aspirations. I mean, people forget exactly that Boise was rolling. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of water under the bridge. Yeah, totally. And um, I, I think last year's game on the blue turf, the blowout um, really was, I think, um, an interesting chapter in the Boise State-BYU rivalry because typically the games have been close. There have been a couple here and there that have been a little bit more um, out of hand, um, but for the most part, the games are always are always close. And so for BYU to go on to the blue where they had never won and to, to win in the fashion they did, I think was a big turning point in um, – in the rivalry, and, and I, in, in my opinion, just looking at the direction Boise State's going and looking at the direction BYU's going, I think they're kind of trending in opposite directions. I think Boise State, while they have good talent and potential, I, I, if I were to give them like a trending arrow, I would put them with a red arrow pointing down, and I think BYU's with a green arrow trending upward. And, and I think uh, last year is kind of where that really started. Oh, yeah. I I think you're right on the money. And this new coach at Boise State, you know, he deserves the benefit of the doubt and all that. But they've had such a run replacing head coaches who have left and still keeping it up and still keeping it going. I mean, I, I just don't know how long that can last, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, a lot of people talk about, you know, Boise State and, and uh, I mean, really, it's it, I mean, I'm from Boise, so I know what it's like there. And Boise State is that city's team there's no pro teams and there's no there's nothing else except Boise State football and so those those people there from Boise they love the Boise State program they they invest a lot into it and there's a lot of pressure there a lot of pressure to succeed especially when you look at their track record over the last 20 years it's been they've had a, an amazing 20-year run but to your point, that's hard to sustain. Yeah. That, that requires a lot of things to go right, a lot of variables to go your way. To recruit, to maintain a steady line of recruiting uh, is, is tough. Um, I think they, they I, I would say the last few years, their talent pool, has, their talent level on their team has, has dropped a little bit. Um, and I just don't think that they're the team that they once were and uh, it could be, I mean, who knows, but it, I kind of compare it to uh, when um, Kalani took over for Bronco in those first few years, you know, 2016, 17, 18, a little bit of 19. Like, it, it just took some time for him to get his, his bearings, to get the, the right systems in place, to get the right co assistant coaches in place, um, to get their recruiting figured out. And I, I think it could it could be something like that at Boise State for the next few years, where they're kind of waiting to get that transition figured out. Because um, it's, it, in my opinion, it, they're just not in the same level that they were uh, years prior. Are their fans as obnoxious up close there in Boise as they are from afar? 
I don't know. Maybe I'm a little biased because I'm from <laughs> Boise and I'm a native, and so I, I don't think they're as obnoxious. Maybe because I, I was one of them. I was one of those obnoxious fans as a kid. Um, but in my opinion, it's a little bit, um, I don't know, they're passionate. But I would say for the most part, respectful. Uh, I mean, at least I never saw anything um, questionable or classless. I, I think it was, for the most part, all within uh, within within bounds. But they are a passionate group, and uh, they, they have a lot of, um, I guess, energy that they put towards their their Broncos. Uh, I mean, when I played against Boise State in 2015, it was my first uh, start. It was the game after the Nebraska game. First start, first home game, playing against my hometown team. And that was kind of a, a surreal feeling uh, to be able to, to, to play against my hometown team like that and to beat them, especially in the, in the way that we did. Um, but I still, I still vividly remember you know, a lot of Boise State fans there at the game. And even though they were vastly outnumbered, they still made a lot of noise. And so uh, I think this just kind of speaks to, to who they are and, and how they travel. Well, Tanner, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. And let's hope we get a good one this weekend. Yeah. No problem, Jake. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate it. That's Tanner Mangum, former BYU quarterback, nice enough to jump on with us weekly here on The Big Show and give us uh, a little perspective. And uh, certainly he knows the dynamic, and that's why I asked him there, the dynamic of BYU and Boise State and their fans probably better than uh, than anybody out there. So, And, uh, you know, we talked to him about the quarterback situation. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, Tanner uh, talked about how Conover wasn't really allowed to do a whole lot against Utah State. Got the impression that Tanner certainly thinks they're going to need more dynamic play, and he certainly didn't say that Conover wasn't capable of that, but more dynamic play out of the quarterback position against Boise State to come away with a win. And it seemed to me Tanner thought uh, Jaron Hall might be the better candidate to bring that. But I, I agree with him. Uh, BYU's been really good, uh, physical. Uh, Tyler Algier is certainly just a, a, an absolute rock star. But they're going to need some competent play out of the quarterback position, as they've gotten so far this year from Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney. And we saw in the first half building up a nice lead in that Utah State game before Baylor had to leave with a concussion. And Kalani Sataki, when he talked about his quarterback situation, didn't seem real optimistic the Baylor would be available for this weekend against Boise State, which uh, is, you know, seems fairly obvious, and Tanner seemed to think that way too. So, you know, is it going to be the freshman who goes out there and tries to bring it, uh, or is Jaron Hall going to be uh, in a position where he can come back and play in a tough uh, yet very important game? And Coach Satake said he was very close this past week, very close. So you would think with uh, another week to get ready, he could possibly be there against Boise State. But uh, as Tanner also said, you know, that's a that's a difficult injury to play through um, when you're a quarterback because it uh, affects pretty much everything that you do. Uh, speaking of things that affect life, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Premier Wave, he's our friend, Dr. Johnson. And, uh, Doctor, we're talking a little bit about ED, but when it comes to, you know, intimacy, uh, it's, it's a big part of relationships. It's a big part of life. It is a big part. And, unfortunately, so many people choose to neglect it when they don't have to. Because what most people don't realize is that there are some great treatments available that are very effective. All men will eventually suffer from erectile dysfunction if you live long enough. In fact, the studies show that 50% of men over 50 have it, 60% of our men of 60, and so forth. 
But there's a great new treatment out there shown to be clinically effective and FDA approved, and it just works wonders. And it's it's better than the other guys. You're the only ones who have this, right? Yeah. So this this laser company. I was a, a consultant for a bunch of laser companies. It's, you know, I've done that for years. And they approached us. They said, "Hey, we have this new acoustic wave therapy. Would you be one of our premier centers so we can do some training and whatnot?" I said, "Heck yes." So we got it. There's only six in the whole world. We're one of them, and we're a training center. And so it's so effective. The studies show that it's more than twice as effective because it can penetrate so deep. There's blood vessels that you just can't be reached by the other treatment modalities, but this reaches them. Wow, sounds awesome. All right, uh, I know that you have a great deal for Zone listeners today. They need to call 385-360-WAVE, and you'll take good care of them. Yes, we will. If they mentioned 12-8-Zone, we'll give them $300 off their treatment protocols. But if they've been someplace else and not been satisfied, we will give them half off. <laughs> well, Doctor, thank you very much. We appreciate it. The number again, 385-360-WAVE, 385-360-9283 or premierwave.com. Thanks, Doctor. Yeah, thanks. Take care. All right, Frank Dolce is going to join the show coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Joined now by BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo. What are you doing now to make sure when that time comes that you hit the ground running? I think there's ideas that we're working on right now. The first and most important is personnel. We have to have the right people in the right places. And we have two years of competition to be able to work through those issues. The second would be strategy. There are some strategic things that we're going to do a little bit different. It's because of the scope and scale of how things are. And then resources is the third. That's something where we have to really pay attention and be able to make sure that we do the right thing when we use these valuable funds that the donors and season ticket holders and corporate sponsors entrust to us. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm not like Show Jake Scott with you 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Frank Dolce here momentarily at 5. Coach Gordy Chiesa is going to jump on the show with us, give us a little jazz preview, and then jazz pregame takes over at 5.30. Getting you ready for the Jazz and Spurs. Preseason game number one. It all starts tonight, folks. Radio-only broadcast. Of course, you'll hear it all here on the Zone Sports Network. Also, uh, we're going to be uh, the jazz broadcast is going to be on KSL 1116-1027. So, right there on that blowtorch, getting all across the region on uh, on KSL. So, very exciting, and that uh, is happening tonight, and will happen uh, frequently throughout the season, including all playoff games. So, very excited about that. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end of season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save fifty percent off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Joining us now, former Ute quarterback, of course, Ute analyst, with us here on the Zone Sports Network, the one and only Frank Dolce. What's up, Frank? Frank, buddy, are you with us? Jake, oh, hey. I lost you there for uh, a minute. Oh, you're, no. Now you're back. Hey, it's good to hear your voice, man. How are you doing? How are things? You, you too. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I enjoyed your uh, interview with uh, Tanner. Insightful. 
He's always good, you know. Tanner, he's, he's a level-headed dude. Although I've got a, a Boise State fan on Twitter who's getting after us because he said uh, BYU's going up while Boise State's going down in trajectory. So Bronco yeah, fans right. a little grumpy. That's true. But I we, mean, that's that's accurate. That's I, accurate. I think it's accurate too. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, how many head coaches can you go through until you get a dud, right? Isn't that the truth? No, I mean that's just that's just the way of college football. I mean, they, I think Boise's been riding this high for a long time, and that's great. Um, but but uh, yeah, now they you know they'll take a little take a little down and then figure out how to how to get back on top, and you know that's just how it goes. So I want to talk about the Utes, and I don't I don't mean for this question to be insensitive, but how. What do you expect out of Utah going through what they're going through as a program? I mean, this is a big game on the road at USC, but given what's happened the last couple of weeks, I, I honestly don't know what to expect. Well, it's, uh, I mean, uh, Utah's certainly going through a, a strange situation right now, and so that is just added to the to the drama of the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 South in particular. So I, you know, I don't know what to expect out of this football team other than, you know, they'll give a tremendous effort and, and hopefully that's going to kind of be enough. And, and hopefully the team has been able to kind of rally around this tragedy that they've had to deal with again, two, two years in a row now. So, um, but, but it's not like, even even going into this week, it's and I and I hope, like you said, I, I I hope it's not insensitive. But this this wasn't a great Utah football team going into this week and coming going into the bye week, and it's still a team that needs to figure out um, how to be good at the line of scrimmage, especially on the offensive line, and 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 how to how, how to uh, keep the ball off of the turf. And and though I I think they they've made some strides defensively. It's still probably not where they want to be, um, and so here's a team that's trying to figure out what its identity is, and and then dealing with the tragedy on top of that. And so, I mean, it's just it's a tough it's a tough week. And but I, but I think that uh, I think Coach Witt will have the guys ready to to go, and I think we'll see a tremendous effort on on Saturday in the Coliseum. Mention identity. What should the identity of the offense be based on what you've this, seen so I, far? Yeah, I know exactly what this the answer to this question is. And and this is what I always say about Utah football in terms of in terms of what I think they should be or or what their identity should be. This should be a team that figures out how to beat put people up at the line of scrimmage, that that kind of shoves the, the ball down your throat and is it's a power run game. Um, and wear you out through four quarters, and then be super efficient in the pass game. Um, and and I I mean I like that kind of football. I I like that I like that kind of you know three yards in a cloud of dust. And even when it's three yards in a cloud of dust in the recent past, Utah's been like five or six yards in a cloud of dust. I mean they've been really good on the ground. So I just think that fits the personality of the head coach. I think that fits the personality of the program. If you want to be tough and hard-nosed and, you know, win the physical battle, then that's where it starts. Uh, I, it's like, I mean, I don't know if it's as, dra- as drastic as what's happening at USC right now because I think that's a complete mix-up 
of identity. Like for Graham Harrell's offense doesn't doesn't seem to fit at all with what you could be at USC. And USC has you know access to to significant talent. So um, so anyway, to your to your to your question, I think it's it's power run game, highly efficient pass game is how Utah wins a lot of football games. What do you think? Uh, I thought T.J. Pledger had a breakout against Washington State. You think he's the guy? It sure, it sure seems like it. Uh, but you know, week to week, it seems like there's a new guy. So hopefully, Pledger did have a breakout game, and that is just a little sampling of what he could bring to the offense. I thought that the way that he ran between the tackles, his ability to bounce the ball outside, and certainly his ball security were all very positive notes for Utah, which is in dire need of a run game and a leader in in the run game. So that said, uh, there's there's a few other really talented guys uh, back there. So, you know, Tavion, if he could just figure out how to hold on to the ball, he may be the most physical of the backs. And he's, a you know, he's kind of a beast. So, you know, there's talent there. He just hasn't been able to hold on to it. And then I really like, I really like Bernard. I, I think that he's kind of a, a foundation kind of back. I don't know if he's going to be, uh, you know, a guy that carries the ball 35 times a game, but he, sh- you know, he's a guy that could give you lots of really solid carries and keep a defense on its heels a, a little bit. But then, you know, of course he, he put the ball on the ground too. So, um, there's plenty of talent in the in the offensive backfield for Utah. It's just which guy, and, and this rarely happens at this point in the season, which guy is going to step up and be the guy. And and right now I'm putting my, you know, I'm, I'm kind of putting my finger on Pledger, and and we'll see if Bernard and, and Tavion can, can figure out how to how to get some get some reps as well. Well, those fumbles were really something, Frank. And I, maybe this is one of those dumb media questions, but it uh, the the emphasis they've put on not fumbling the ball is it getting into these guys' heads? I mean, that was crazy yeah. against the the Cougars. That was nuts. Yeah. Well, first of all, it it's it's always an emphasis, okay? And then it starts happening, and then and then all of a sudden you're thinking about it even more. Than you would, and and then rather than kind of playing naturally, you're thinking about holding on to the football, and then it's popping out again, and then it becomes contagious, and the ball's all over the place. So it's it is a little bit of a self fulfilling prophecy. I mean, that's just that's just kind of how it goes. You know, they say that with your golf swing. You know, look where you want to hit the ball, um, and then and then look at your ball and hit it because. If you have any time to think about the sand trap or the water or where you don't want to hit your ball, then that's exactly where you're going to hit your ball. And it feels like that's happening to Utah with, with you know, holding on to the football a little bit. It's the more you think about it, the more that the ball becomes loose and is on the ground. So I have no doubt they'll get it figured out. Um, and, and if they don't get it figured out, then it's just going to be a long season for Utah offensively. I ask you, what do you expect from the Utes? What do you expect from USC? As you mentioned, they they certainly don't have an identity right now. I couldn't agree with you more about Graham Harrell's offense. So what do we expect from them? Well, that's the team that's that's a wild card because there's just a lot of talent running around on the football field. 
And and so with those guys, more than anybody else, it's in any given Saturday sort of mentality. So if they figure out how to play together for four quarters on Saturday afternoon, then they're going to be really difficult to beat, or Saturday evening, I should say. But but there's just there's just so much talent there. So but but if they can't figure it out, um, and if they're you know if if they're loose with the football and they're making mental mistakes and and they have penalty problems and things that they've done recently, then they're a very beatable football team, even in the Coliseum. So, so it, I'm as confident for Utah going into this one as I have ever been because USC is a program right now that's in a little bit of disarray. Um, the, 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 the only issue is that if they suddenly figure it out, and they get all that talent moving in the in the same direction. That's a they're just a very difficult team to beat. I want to ask you about the the overall conference, Frank? And once again, the Pac-12 is drunk and just needs to go home. I mean, uh, Oregon oh lays gosh. an egg. What and, in the world? I don't know, like. I don't even know who's good <laughs> in this league, Frank. I know the Beavs. Are they the best team in the North? Yes. Yes. I think what we figured out is you don't want to play. I said this a week ago. You don't want to play Oregon State. Like those guys, I don't know if it's a destiny thing or or what, but they are on a mission. And and I really like the what they're doing. I mean, I I think they just have figured out how to, and they're playing with confidence and everything else. So, yes, absolutely, Oregon State is the team to beat right now. Uh, I I don't know like I, I we could go down all the other teams in the Pac-12 and I don't who knows who knows who's going to win on a given week UCLA could have as easily beaten Arizona State as they lost in that football game and that wasn't a you know I don't think that was a great football game um, and those those two I thought were kind of neck and neck at the top of the of the South so. Uh, and, and then, you know, Washington, I, I don't know what's happening with, with Washington. That's, that's a team that should be um, more competitive and should be kind of a dominant figure in the North. I still think that Oregon is, you know, they're not done yet. And, and to say that, a, uh, you know, a one-loss te- one team can't win the championship in the North, that's, that's pretty, pretty healthy. So, and then how about how about Stanford? I mean, th- th- what in the world is with with this football team? It's just it's the craziest. I, I don't know. It's the craziest conference in the nation. With the, you know everybody kind of the the, can, the cannibalization that occurs on a weekly basis, and and there's no clear cut on in in either division at this point. I you know it it's as likely to be. Um, Utah and Oregon State in in the conference championship game, as it is to be, you know, Arizona State and Oregon, or or you know, or some other combination. It's like nobody's out of it at this point, and and there's no clear favorite either. Well, I thought Cal was going to be better this year, and they might be out of it. So that's well, I, I, don't like, I guess Col- Colorado and Arizona yeah. probably aren't. No. Aren't gonna aren't gonna make much noise. So, no. but yeah, it's a. It, I watched that game and I was just like, of course, this is happening to Oregon, number three in the country, the last great hope for the Pac-12 and the 
playoffs this year, and well, there they go. Ship is burning. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> go Beavers. I mean, and and by that's a great story, but it just it's not the great story that we need this year. I mean, it's for for a conference. So anyway, it's it's it is certainly crazy to watch. Well, Frank, thank you as always for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Of course, absolutely. And if I can, I, I no no uh, don't want to do anything inappropriate here, but. Hey, your your former partner, I love him to death. Uh, he was a fantastic voice in Utah radio and sports. He has been. I know he'll continue to be in some form and fashion. But just lots of respect for Gordon Monson and for all that he's done uh, and for all that he's done for the Utah community and Utah athletics. And uh, I just wanted to give him a little shout-out because he deserves it. Oh, I'm glad you did, Frank. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, we'll always love Gordon, uh, especially uh, on this show. So, awesome. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jake. Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback and longtime Ute analyst with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll have a quick dot sports port coming up next, and then Coach Chiesa jumps on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Jazz pregame takes over at 5.30. It's a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Port. Brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. All right, Lloyd. I, I'm going to try and be sensitive with this uh, with this story, but this really hit home for me, and I would guess this will hit home for you as well in a way because you have young children. How, how old's Jackson now? How old's your youngest? Two? Three? Two. It Two. feels like he's been around for five years. So <laughs> so Nick Cannon, the celebrity, what what is he technically? An entertainer, comedian? Oh, I thought you were gonna say what he's famous for. I was gonna say dating uh our girl Mariah. Well he married Mariah married her. for a hot married second. Married her, yeah. 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 So that's what he's famous for. He went on uh a I think it was a radio show. It might have been uh he did an interview, it might have been a podcast. I think it was a radio show. And uh, he told the, the uh, DJs, he said he is celibate through the year. He's going to make it through the year 2022. Now, again, I'm going to keep this segment above board because this, this hits home. Do you know the reason why he's celibate, Lloyd? No. He's had four children in the last calendar year. Wait, what? Four children, three different mamas in the last year. 
And hey, he, the guy's got financial resources. I, I, I would hope that he is a good father to all seven of his children. But he's had four of those in the last year. And as somebody who's got a five-month-old baby, one, man, I can't imagine having four. I'd no. take a break, too. I'd be like, you know what? I need, I need to take a step back. And and I realize, love, don't get me wrong. I love my kids, but that sounds very stressful. I, that's our, what our I'm boy, saying. Our boy uh, Christian Cox, he's got how many under the age of like five? Doesn't he have like five under five? Five hundred five, yeah, five hundred six, something like that. Something yeah, like he's got that. One yeah. on the way. And even yeah. that one, that makes my eye twitch. No, but I'm I'm just getting stressed thinking of having four kids under one. Yeah, and I know that they're the the. Well, I guess it's like it's like uh, having a, uh, you know quintuplets or something like that i guess i guess it's similar to right. that but i don't know how sure. people how people do that like uh our friend but there is a lot of stress here because there's three different women and that's a, a lot of moving okay, pieces well, that's up to him i don't know about that i'm yeah. just thinking about having four children under one year of age at once and i i think about our, our guy steve tate who had uh who had triplets right i mean um even our friend uh, kevin graham who had twins i don't know how people do twins I can't, I'm getting like anxiety just thinking about having four kids under one. I had my two girls all day on Saturday, a five-month-old and a four-year-old. And my four-year-old is an angel, and that was stressful. I can't imagine no, having four kids under one year. That sounds like it. I, right? Isn't your blood pressure going up just having that thought? Yes. And, and you know, the veteran da- dads out there are, are laughing at our pain right now because they've all gone through it, right? And, and have other problems. It never gets easier going forward. I've heard that a million times. But having four kids under one, no thanks. No thank you. You know, my, my entire house, by the way, right now is like a, it's like a a collage of of pens and and markers and whatever, you name it, all over the house. Like, it's just all over yeah. the place. I can't even keep up with yeah, it. pandemonium. Imagine yeah. how many diapers you'd have to have. Not change, but just boxes in reserve. No, and that's probably, well, that's one thing, by the way. We're getting very close to coming to the end of that because you lucky dog. diapers are so expensive. Oh, like, my I'm gosh. Just like, it's like, oh, man. I, said, I told you, I was like, we, if we, we get rid of the diapers, we're going to Hawaii. We're going to go to Hawaii because we'll we can be afford, afford it. it. <laughs> we can afford it, baby. Seriously. I don't care about changing diapers. You know. You, you, no, it's it, pretty it, it easy. It takes thirty seconds. It's it's a messy summer stinky, job, summer not whatever. Right. But you get to it's the it's the buying and storing diapers. That's the issue. I have to dedicate a whole wing of my house to it, and I've got one. Anyway, I've got boxes, uh, empty boxes all over my house. So, in fact, the kids are making forts out of old diaper boxes. Yeah, so Nick Cannon and his four children under one are just stressing me out. Second hand. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to uh, former, well, longtime jazz assistant coach uh, Gordon Chiesa. He's going to join us uh, right around the corner. So make sure and stay tuned for that. My guy Tim Lacombe's in the house. He's going to join me for uh, jazz pregame starting at 5 30. The, jir- the journey begins tonight. Tim can and, and myself can say goodbye to any sort of life or social life that we uh, briefly had there during the offseason. And uh, you know what? The excitement level is high. It should be one heck of a run uh, this year. So it all begins tonight coming up at 530. But right now, uh, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Premier Wave, he's our friend, Dr. Johnson. Doctor, let's uh, let's help out our listeners who might be struggling in the bedroom with uh, technology that is better than anything else out there. 
Yep, we have brand new acoustic wave therapy machine that just got FDA approved, and it was designed specifically for erectile dysfunction, and it's been shown to be more than twice as effective, and it penetrates five times as deep because there's blood vessels that, you know, are involved in erection that just do not or cannot be reached with the old modalities, but this reaches those hard-to-reach places, so it gives great results. Uh, and what uh, you say the great results, I, I'm guessing the, the, the patients you guys have been uh, operating for a while now, I'm guessing your patients are, are seeing it firsthand. Yeah, well, in fact, we actually were a little surprised how well this machine, new machine works, because we expected it to work, you know, better. But we've seen patients who had have had treatments elsewhere who started to get results within two or three treatments because the the wave that it makes, the energy is so powerful, it reaches those hard-to-reach places. So we've been ecstatic, and it's just been such a great, great boost for our patients. Which is just awesome. All right, the number to call to get on the schedule, call today during the show, 385-360-WAVE, and you're going to get a great deal on treatment, right? Yep, so we're giving all the 12 zone listeners $300 off our treatment packages. But what we're really excited about is we're offering treatment to all those who've already tried the treatment and not gotten the results they want. Come in, and we will give you half off our treatments because we know that it works. We've seen it for ourselves. All right. Call now. Get on the schedule. 385-360-WAVE. 385-360-9283. Or go to premierwave.com today. Thank you very much, doctor. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah Jake. Take care. Coach Chiesa is coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.